Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeJoria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, it's funny car racer Blake Alexander and pro stock standout Aaron Stanfield. Eric Anders is your 2020 pro stock world champion in stunning fashion. A couple of young guys making headlines in NHRA. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polachek for the first time in his career. And we're also talking U.S. Nationals. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28 10,000 at the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Brian Loans, and we are on an off week, maybe the most anticipated off week of the year coming off of Brainerd, and we are getting ready for the Dodge SRT U.S. Nationals, which will be happening next week. I will be out there nice and early with uh, Alan Reinhardt, working with him Wednesday, Thursday, and some of Friday as our television Television coverage begins on FS1 on Friday night, so uh, all too excited, all too happy, all too pumped up to be uh, working on the sportsman side of things for the first couple of days. They are among my favorite days in all of drag racing. It is going to be a week of huge news next week. I, I wish I could spill the beans here on the Insider Podcast, and uh, there are certain things I get privy knowledge about, and boy, oh boy, are you going to like some of these things that are coming next week. I can't uh, cannot wait for the, for the news to drop because it's going to be very, very cool. Uh, let's talk about Brainerd here before we get uh, get too deep in the weeds on talking about Indy. And I should mention our guests this week will be Blake Alexander and Aaron Stanfield. Blake, of course, the driver of the Pronto uh, Auto Center Mustang with head contractors as well. He and Jim Head have been having a nice run of success over the last few races. They've done a lot of work to turn the fortunes of their car and their program around. Really started to show dividends. Uh, that thing was looking good. Of course, they went to the semifinals in Topeka, went some rounds the last few races. So I want to talk to him about the work that's gone into that and really what their plan is going to be for the rest of the year because it does appear, barring some real deal catastrophe that they will be in the countdown to the championship at the close of the U.S. Nationals. They are not a team that has run every race, and so I'm wondering if they're going to run the rest of the countdown races or what their plan is. One would assume if they did run all the rest of the races that they could be uh, a pretty decent threat because if they're already top 10 having missed a few already, uh, it speaks to uh, their potential ability in the countdown. And then our second conversation will be with Aaron Stanfield, uh, a guy who has emerged as much as Greg Anderson was the absolute incredible dominator early in the season. We have seen Aaron Stanfield uh, close the points gap on Greg Anderson. We have seen him rack up three wins, most in a category, and we have seen him uh, make those wins and make those runs and be successful in a myriad of different ways. So uh, we're also going to be talking to him because he is running three categories at the U.S. Nationals, and you say, that's illegal. No, it isn't, uh, because the Jags All-Stars will also be part of the U.S. Nationals, and he will be running Top Dragster in that. He'll be running Factory Stock Showdown, and he will be running Pro Stock. He will not be running the Eliminator in Top Dragster at the U.S. Nationals, just in the All-Stars. So we're going to talk about that as well, because um, three incredibly different cars to drive, three incredibly different strategies to employ when driving those cars, and uh, I want to talk to uh, talk to Aaron about all of that stuff as well. The Jags All-Stars, as mentioned, will be part of the U.S. Nationals for the second year in a row, and that appears as though it's going to be the permanent home for the Jags All-Stars, which is you know, the preeminent specialty sportsman race we have in NHRA, uh, Lucas Oil Drag Racing, Camping World Drag Racing, and it's one of the most fun events of the entire year. 
when even the announcing staff gets to throw down and, and back openly their own division. I, of course, being a Division One guy, Reinhardt, a Division Seven guy, Joe Costello, a Division Two guy. Um, you'll hear all of our opinions uh, slathered <laughs> over the airwaves over the course of our coverage of the U.S. Nationals. So, yes, we have Jags All-Stars going on. 860 entries right now at the U.S. Nationals. It is astonishing, and it is refreshing, and it is astounding to think about the fact that we're going to have about 900 cars there, uh, one of which will be a Top Fuel debut. Going to keep that one in the back pocket for a couple of days. But, yes, we will be seeing the debut of a new driver in the Top Fuel category with his own equipment, with his own car. So that's going to be a big story to talk about, big story to follow. Entry list right now, we're looking very strong across the board, 19, 20 entries uh, across all the pro categories, loads of cars into factory stock showdown and other heads-up categories, loads of uh, top alcohol drags. I think there's 22 of them in there right now. So uh, it will be, as it should be, the biggest, baddest, most pageantry-filled event of the year, including the Hemi Challenge, including some neat additions to our broadcast team, which um, one of those announcements I'll sneak out right now. But you're going to be seeing a lot of Ron Tobler on TV over the course of the U.S. Nationals as he will join us as part of our broadcast team for the race. And uh, that, again, is going to be great. Brainerd was a fantastic race. Yes, would have loved to have seen more cars in Top Fuel especially. Yes, would have loved to see one more entry in Nitro Funny Car to make it around 16. But uh, the action that we got on the racetrack was really, really spectacular. That facility, that surface, that atmosphere, which came to us, really. It was very hot when we all got to town midweek. But by the time we actually put rubber to the road and started running cars down the track, it cooled off and it made for... Really spectacular action over the course of uh, of qualifying Friday, Saturday, and Sunday during eliminations was was great. Uh, you'll hear, uh, and we we did hear, I should say, over the course of the broadcast, people talking about just how good the track is. At one point, Cruz Pedregon like gave a shout out to whoever you know laid down the surface because of how good a job they did. Billiard table smooth, tractive as all get out, and teams were able to run their stuff really as hard or harder than they had been able to do it all year. And we saw the results of that. Incredible runs in the 60s, a bunch of runs in the 80s in Nitro Funny Car. Um, performance territory that uh, that tends to be uh, rarefied, if you will, over the course of uh, modern drag racing. So love to see that. I think part of the net effect of having a divisional race there that ran on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, leading up to the national event, set an incredible base on the track. I think we're going to see the effects of that at Indy as well, as we'll have sports and racing Wednesday, Thursday, and then get pros on the track on Friday evening. So you're going to see two days of that racetrack being run in by slick tire cars uh, of all different shapes and sizes, whether we're talking stock eliminator or the alcohol cars, or whether we're talking about uh, super stockers, super comp cars, whatever. All that traffic down the racetrack really does wonders to build up a foundation of traction that our big-time, high-horsepower nitro burners can use to uh, to their best advantage. We all know Indy has teeth. We all know that surface is great. It delivers for us year in and year out. I think when we look at the long-term forecast, we're seeing a, an upcoming week and weekend that will be warm and then it will cool off. That is what it looks like. It's going to kind of temperature-wise kind of taper off through the weekend. So all of that really, to me, seems to be moving in the right direction. Um, just loving the fact that we're going to be talking about some bumping and qualifying. We're going to be talking about good cars, maybe not making the show when you have 20 on each side of the sheet. Uh, 21 pro stocks, I believe 20 motorcycles. So 
a lot of uh, a lot of things to be excited about. And, you know, we're going to talk about car counts. I mean, there's no way we shouldn't be. There's no way we're not going to be. I think it is something that uh, I know it's something that NHRA's uh, echelons or top echelons of management have uh, been putting their heads together on to get not I don't want to say creative, but to to really examine what the phenomenon is how to work with the teams, how to work with our race teams that are out there, and how to figure out ways to get them to the racetrack more often. You know, one of the things you got to think about is we've had like three dozen, almost 40 people this year have run in top fuel. Over the course of the year, almost 40 different people have run in top fuel. Obviously, the majority of those people have done it sparingly. The majority of those people have done it uh, a handful of times as opposed to the majority of times. So what are the ways to move the needle to see those teams that run a handful of races, either run a larger handful of races or make the transition into being a more full-time team. What are the what are the things that need to happen in order to make that move uh, ahead? And I think that's really what management's examining. I think the creativity and I think the the methodology of, of doing this, uh, every angle is being examined. And it's not something that people, myself included, or anybody else involved with the NHRA sitting around going, okay, well, this will just straighten itself out. There is a, a proactive approach here, which is, uh, which is really cool to see. And I think it, um, it definitely speaks to, you know, the manager of this company has been through a lot over the last couple of years. Let's be honest here, especially you know, 2020, even 2021. I mean, there, this has not been a, a year that's been um, full of certainty for anybody. There's a lot of people that are still trying to recover business-wise. There's a lot of people that still can't get parts. I mean, that's one of the things that's keeping people away, especially when we talk about some of the alcohol teams and, and some other classes where you can't get stuff. I mean, we're talking lead times of months and months on end. I've recently talked to a guy who had ordered some car and fiber parts and they told him it was going to be about six months and he said he needed them in three and they said well hopefully we can get into you in five and a half and the same can be said for things that need to be hewn out of raw materials it's just it's hard to get stuff right now and, and parts shortages have definitely hampered some people's efforts to get back out to the racetrack but we say that and we say that as it's an existent situation that's being worked on I think when we look at the U.S. Nationals, it proves a couple of things, that this race is not like every other race. People say that, well, it's just it's just the same as everything else. No, no, no. If it was the same as everything else, you wouldn't have uh, massive bumps in car counts like we're seeing. You wouldn't have the really the excitement, the buzz around what this thing is. You wouldn't have nearly 900 cars from all across America descending on Indy to compete at this race. It is incredibly special. It is my favorite event of the year, bar none end of story. It is my favorite place to go racing and certainly my favorite place to be screaming and yelling about it as well. So there is uh, a bit of a too long monologue for you, touching on a couple of different factors there. But Torrance and Hagen really kick some ass up there in Brainerd. We'll find out if they can kick some ass again in Indy. But we know that Brittany's in the house. We know that there are several capable top fuel cars that will be chasing Steve in the countdown. And we know that the funny car fracas of 2021 will continue all the way to the end with just that incredible mashup of cars through spots one through six. But then it's really going to be one to ten once we go through the reset and the gap of points Believe it or not, it will actually widen for some people, which is such a rarity. But you, those number one through six cars, assuming they stay as tight as they are, when we do the reset, someone, a couple of them anyway, will end up further back than they were in the regular points. So it's kind of an odd situation, but a unique one as well. Okay, that's enough for me. Let's get on with the conversations. All right, so our first guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast, the funny car driver of the Pronto Auto Service Head Contractors Mustang, Blake Alexander. How you doing, man? 
Good, man. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, it's good to catch up with you, too. And the reason I wanted to catch up with you is because uh, really the last the last few weeks have been a lot more fun than the first few weeks of the season, it, I, it appears, anyway, from around sitting. Yeah, I mean, we're making laps up and down the racetrack, good, consistent, quick laps. And Topeka, we showed that we're making, you know, plenty of power. Things got lots of snot. Uh, obviously, we still have uh, a few steps to take, but everything's going well. Yeah, it's been fun to watch. I think over the course of any season, we see teams, uh, you know, some of them come out of the gate swinging. Some of them have to work their way, kind of ramp through it. Uh, you guys really have kept your nose down to the grindstone to, to kind of get this car in the direction you want it. And you're closer now than you ever have been. So, I guess I want to step back because my understanding is you guys had a test session like before the Western Swing or whatever, and you strung together like a half a dozen runs, bing, bang, boom, down the racetrack at Indy. Uh, and was that kind of a turning point or what? Yeah, I mean, we definitely look back. <laughs> no, A lot of times when we're looking back at our notes, we kind of stay within that sphere because we changed a lot of stuff on the car and uh, – uh, got got after some of the issues we had in the bell housing and um, obviously it paid dividends so we're trying to stay kind of in that train of thought and uh, continuing on and when we went to Sonoma, Pomona, uh, Topeka and Brainerd um, you know it just really has showed and like you said it was a lot of hard work and all at the beginning of the year we kind of left the end of the year of 2020 with a good car and thought we'd pick up right with it and we just had a few different disc issues and other things in the bell housing that uh, needed to be sorted through. Yeah, and clearly that uh, that progress has come. I mean, we look at how the cars qualified since Sonoma. You know, number six, you're number three in Pomona, uh, five in Topeka, eight in Brainerd. And, you know, we have seen, obviously, not so much. We've seen in Funny Car in terms of maybe having 15 cars some weeks. We've seen it certainly in a lot worse shape in Top Fuel in terms of the car counts. But... One of the things that's interesting to me is I feel like when we have a, let's say, a 15-car funny car field or whatnot, qualifying almost becomes, I would say, twice as important because there really is no weak, kind of weak, slow buffalo at the end of the herd, right? I mean, is it nowhere to hide type of thing? Uh, Yeah, I mean, we proved that this weekend when we went up there and uh, didn't, didn't make as much power as we needed to initially and had a few different issues in qualifying, and we had to race – uh, Dell and Alexis in the first round, and that car's kind of just been booked into the semifinals every single weekend. So uh, when you're in the middle of the pack, <laughs> you got to fight. And obviously, if you're top four in any professional drag racing class for a long time in qualifying, you yeah. get to race someone who's you know not not as competitive as you right away. But as soon as you get into the second round, you know, or third round, and pro drag racing it just turns into a uh, you know you have to race with a complete package of driver crew and crew chief doing the best they can yeah i think uh to me your two most notable round wins of the year so far obviously the win over hagen uh in topeka and then this uh, real squeaker against alexis but i guess i want to go back to that uh the win over hagen in topeka i mean these are the types of things not just because you're getting round win, but when you when you have to stand up and beat a good car like that, you have to you have to beat a guy in a racetrack that's a multi-time champion. It has to help move the needle forward in terms of you know obviously confidence. But how much how much does getting the round wins and simply going through the weekend service on the car help kind of get things normalized and regularized for you? Yeah, these guys love to turn the car around, and I love to see them do it because that means we're lighting up scoreboards. And uh, you know, Hagen's kind of been someone who. 
<laughs> honestly, since I was like 17 or 18, I raced against <laughs> him in pro mod cars. I ran against the guy forever and he's always had a fast car and he's always done a good job driving it. So, uh, I, yeah, I always get up for it and he always does a good job leaving the starting line, shallow stages and doesn't play any games. So it's kind of like, honestly, the best measuring stick in the world for drag racing is racing that guy. And, uh, wasn't a pretty round, but we ended up winning and, uh, I think he, yeah, had holes out and had to get on and off the throttle. I was hunting over by the wall and had to get on and off the throttle. But uh, it's funny car racing on a hot track, and it was exciting. Yeah, that's that's the bottom line. I was going to say this is a funny car race, man. Somebody's got to be off the throttle. Somebody's got to be by the wall. I mean, it's you can you can win these in a billion different ways, and I'm sure each one of them kind of carries its own satisfaction. But to take that point forward. The, the run against Alexis was incredible. I mean, you guys were a thou apart reaction time-wise. I think it was only margin of two thou at the stripe. And, you know, we talk about the seating position in these cars all the time, but I know you saw the wind light at the end of the racetrack, but you had no indication other than noise that she was that close, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, she kind of passed me right when the shoots came out. So I knew, I mean, I knew she was close because I could hear her and see her. And uh, I knew I had got had a pretty good reaction time and, that track was just, it had fangs and, yeah. you know, you, you could definitely just kind of put the car where you wanted to. And, uh, I mean, you still had to obviously keep it in the middle, but it was, it was, it was a lot different than some of the other tracks we've been on recently. And, uh, yeah, no, it felt good to do it. I, uh, let, let down a little bit and didn't have the best slight in the second round against Tasco, but he honestly was running way faster than we ended up. We put a hole out and, uh, stayed after and tested and try to figure out some stuff so yeah i just got to keep getting better obviously one round win is good but we go there to win four how about uh the test on monday i know that a ton of people stay to make runs kind of what was your game plan as far as the team goes how many runs did you make what were you looking for uh we just worked on stuff with the fuel system and i think eventually a lot of us realized that that racetrack was uh it was incredible and people were running in the 80s when it was 115 120 yeah and i think a lot of us i think it'll be interesting going into indy to see if that was an anomaly and at that racetrack and uh, all the conditions with the barometer and the way people were running their cars is going to parlay over into indy uh but because i mean everyone was running their stuff hard up there and uh, it looked like people were trying, if you looked on the computer, it looked like people were trying to blow their car up. But the thing when you bring it back, <laughs> looked like, looked like you hadn't even run the parts yet. So we, uh, obviously we, you know, we'll go into Indy. I think some of the stuff that we tried there won't necessarily parlay over, but also the track prep has been a lot better, uh, recently. And I think a lot of the uh, teams that have raced the last couple of races have recognized it. And, uh, we're going to probably keep being able to get after it. Yeah, it would seem it would seem to me like visually, I, I don't have a I don't have a window into into what the spray percentage is or whatever. But just watching the last couple of races and seeing kind of what the baseline performance has been and the consistency of runs down the racetrack, it looks to me like it's getting hit with a, a higher percentage of glue, a more a more stout kind of uh, mixture of of glue than it has been maybe in the past. Um, it is. It, and, and, well, and and the bottom line for me as a, not just a guy in the booth, but also as a fan, I don't want to see. I don't want to see that changed in terms of you guys rolling to the track at Indy. I don't want to, I don't want to hear like, Hey guys, they're going to spray the thing at whatever 65% instead of 75 or whatever it's been. So I guess for you, and I'm going to guess for probably every team, your opinion's the same there. Just give me something that's consistent and let me work with it. Yeah. And they, that had been going on, you know, and we're, we were working with it and then we'll continue to do that. And Indy actually, this is a, tra- a track too, that, 
traditionally has fangs just like Brainerd does. So I think it'll be really cool to go there and uh, be able to step on it with the night session. And uh, obviously the next runs throughout the day will be getting zoned in for Sunday, uh, normal cliche of drag racing. But uh, there's a lot of cars that come to the event. It is the biggest drag race in the world, and we're excited to get there. So, you know, for me, as like a big, you know, history dork and everything, my, my, I always feel like special about going to Indy. I always, I always think it's a very different experience, uh, personally than, than any other race. Is it, is that the same for you? Or is this, you know, and I don't mean this in a negative way, or is this, you know, you got to show up and do the same thing no matter what you're doing it. Does it feel any different to you than it does to, say, the fans? Uh, yeah, to be honest with you, one of the cool things about it is that I've gotten the opportunity to race for some of the, the old heads in drag racing that are legendary and like Paul Smith, Jim, they, they've been there competing forever and told me of like what it used to be like there. And Johnny Davis on our car told me what it used to be like there. And you can kind of feel that with the older generation of people that come to this race. Yeah. Uh, as a younger driver, I remember the first time I went there, I was like, this is the place that everyone talks about. <laughs> and uh, it kind of like, you know, made me take a step back, but it'll be fun. I'm actually, my wife's never been to Indy uh, and she's coming and bringing my son. So it'll be cool to kind of spend, spend the time there and uh, kind of zone in and try to do the best we can. I, I think that, like I said, it's going to take tough packages on Sunday at every race for the rest of the year, but especially this one. Um, and everyone brings their best out. You and Jim uh, bring on both sides of the coin, both him on the tuning side, you on the the kind of business side, a very measured approach to uh, your season, where you're going to go, how are you going to get there, what you're trying to accomplish. And one, uh, you're going to be in the countdown. Uh, I, I mean, unless something just catastrophic happens, which let's be honest, I don't see that happening, uh, you will be locked into the top 10 once we get out of Indy. So two questions here. One is, was that an expectation when you started this year? And then two, what will be your pursuit level being in the top 10? What will be your pursuit level of races in the countdown? Oh, uh, well, I mean, we never spoke of even trying to do that. We haven't gone to all the races and, uh, we probably will, we're going to continue not to, I don't think we're, we're planning to not go to Reading right now. Jim's going to Italy and I'm going to the opening weekend of NFL and we just ne- never really had, you know, the goal of going to all the races, making the countdown and doing that. So we're going to continue to do that. It's nice that we made it. We love to compete. And, uh, also we want to, you know, not run four weekends in a row and do stuff over our, uh, our guard for whatever reason, you know, even if you kind of get sucked into it, sometimes that's when the worst things happen in racing. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is a question that I think we're going to be talking about, you know, for this year, next year, maybe hopefully not too many years to come, but, what is or what would be the difference maker in theory if 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 you could change a thing right now and maybe this is maybe this is an unanswerable question maybe the answer to this question is i don't want to do that but what what would be the thing that would flip a switch to you to say okay we got to be at all 22 next year we got to be at all 24 next year whatever is that is there a singular thing that would do that or is that just simply not the life you want to live in terms of dedicating that much of your time uh I don't know that that answer I on both sides of it obviously financially if it all matched up and you know it made sense to do it I we could do it but it's right now it's just we yeah. run the races that we want to run and run the races where we have a good connection with Pronto Auto Service Center customers and I'm just kind of leave it at that and let the chips fall where they may. And uh, no, it makes sense. I really, and I'm, yeah, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I, I just think it's a it's to me. 
it's the great question that confronts us at this point, which is, you know, you've had, uh, for instance, we go to top fuel, you've had 37 or 38 different people over the course of the season run in top fuel. Most of them, we don't see more than five or six times a year. And, you know, there's realities that in that situation where most of those teams we see a half dozen times, it's either a volunteer crew or it's guys that, you know, they do what they can do with what they have, which I respect completely. But I really feel like at this point in our sport, there's this crossroads that we're at where, you know, I'd love to see 50 different guys running top fuel over the course of the year, but damn, I want to see them more than six times. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, we, uh, I, I think as we grow and as I work harder, that that's a possibility. But, you know, right now I just kind of leave it at letting the chips fall where they may. And I work hard every day and <laughs> whatever happens, happens. And we want to make sure when we show up to each race that we're loaded, we're comfortable and that uh, we've got all of our parts serviced and in a row. Well, that's the bottom line. And, and your approach, you know, your approach is certainly not wrong because of you're you're a top ten running car, and what we've seen over the last several weeks is you're a car that can consistently go rounds. You can stand up to to some of the most experienced people in the category. So I'm definitely not questioning your motives or anybody else's. I just I just feel like it's an interesting we're at this interesting point, this kind of a point of inflection where it's it's what is the difference maker for for so many people, and and I think it's neat. And you know, you're. Uh, relationship with Prano has, has been long-standing, and I know that you do a lot of work with them in terms of the hospitality side of things. They bring a lot of employees out to experience the races, depending on the different uh, areas and places we go. So, yeah, the hustle is real for 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 for, uh, for no doubt. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. I'm very blessed that I get to do it, and at the same time, we have a long way to go. I mean, some of these guys do a better job driving than me. I, I think when I'm on, I'm up there with the best of the guys in the world, but I need to be on all the time. And obviously, we uh, have a little bit more performance to squeak out of this head contractor's Pronto Auto Service Center car, and uh, we plan to do it. Yeah, I mean, in terms of being on, I would have to guess it is easier to be on when you go over a span of, of four or five races where the thing's going rounds and and there's not maybe as much a need to, to overly press yourself or to kind of get yourself in a, in a more, I don't know, pressure-filled spot than you already are in on the starting line in one of those things. Yeah, well, I, I believe in my guys, and even this weekend, you know, we hadn't had the best qualifying effort, but I thought we were going to go up there and make a very competitive run, and I know that car that I'm strapped into is going to do everything, you know, it, you know, those guys do everything they can. They work their butts off, and I just want to reward them, and uh, that's really all it comes down to. Nice. Well, I guess... Uh... You're going to see if you can conjure up some of that Jim Head magic. He, of course, a, uh, a U.S. Nationals winner back in the day. He'll probably be uh, regaling you with those stories over the first couple of days of the race, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, uh, we'll have a good time. We actually really enjoy ourselves. We have fun racing together, and uh, we'll, we'll go out there and uh, be methodical, but we'll also uh, try to go as fast as we can. Sounds good, Blake. Enjoy your uh, weekend off with your uh, your son James, who continues to uh, continues to sprout up like a like a little bean sprout, like they all do, and uh, be fun to see out there at Indy. And it's cool. Lee is going to come out and experience the big go for the first time. Yes, sir. It'll be a good time. Thank you for having me on. You bet. Blake Alexander, driver of that head contractor's Pronto Auto Service Nitro Funny Car. They have been moving and shaking over the last couple weeks. We'll see what they can do when we get to the U.S. Nationals. 
Always a great time catching up with Blake Alexander, kind of understanding his thought process and uh, how he is approaching the season with Jim Head. I think we all learned something there in, the, in that conversation. A few things, probably great insight into not only him, kind of how he sees drag racing and what he sees his own personal program looking like. Speaking of personal programs, this guy's personal program has been on fire so far in Pro Stock this year. Three three wins in Epping, Sonoma, California, and Pomona. Those were back-to-back jobs, and he made the final in Vegas as well. Aaron Stanfield is charging towards Greg Anderson in the Pro Stock Points, and he comes into Indy, going to run three classes. Aaron, what is happening, man? All right, so our second guest in this episode of the Insider Podcast. You know him, you love him. Maybe you don't if you're Ace Pro Stock. Aaron Stanfield, how you doing, man? Good. How are you doing? Good. This is, um, you know, really we came off the tail end of 2020, and, and you had really started to kind of show how comfortable you could be in a Pro Stock car at that point. And, man, 2021 has been just a killer year. Three wins so far, most in the class. Let's talk about that. Like, this has been going about as good as it could go. Oh, it is. It's going It's going really good. I mean, shoot, I, I my, my goal is, uh, you know, to show up and win, but – to, to already have three wins in the seasons is it, this season is, is something incredible for us and I'm uh, I'm super pumped up about it. It looked like and and to some degree it was a Greg Anderson kind of runaway freight train to get things started, but all of a sudden we look at the points and you've narrowed the gap to about 150, which I realize isn't like 10, but from where it was to what it is now, you have certainly made some inroads there. For sure, we've uh, we've really we've really run good the past several races and i mean if you look at it look at a a couple of the rounds throughout the year and if i clean up some of my mistakes and and uh you know as a you know as a team and and myself driving we uh we would be really close we'd be probably really close to him right there in the mix of it yeah Um, you're 100 percent right i mean it's it's really it's been maybe just like you said a handful of races where it didn't break your way early on in the day and he went a little bit later than you did and that and that kind of created the gap exactly exactly so Um, as we're as we're talking about this the beginning of this year and really um, this season to this point what was the major difference between the Aaron Stanfield we saw that pulled off that win down in Texas to kind of close the year to the Aaron Stanfield we saw that that came out flying this year so towards uh towards the end of the year last year we uh we hopped in a new RJ car and it was a it's a first pro stock car that was um, I guess you could say built, built around my, you know, around me. And, uh, it just, it seemed to just being, just being physically comfortable in the car seemed to help me a lot as, as far as driving it. And as well as, you know, may, maybe the crew gelling together and, and, uh, you know, all the calls being made on the car, starting to learn the race car. I just, I think towards the end of the year last year, we started to, um, started to really figure it out and it's, it's just carried on carried on over into this year and it's it's shown i mean just how comfortable you are in the thing how consistent you are in the starting line and really how it goes down the racetrack i think that's been really to me one of the most interesting kind of fun things to watch about your season so far is you know knock on wood we really haven't seen your particular car suffer we've seen several cars have have on and off intermittent issues with tire shake and stuff like that and you you guys really don't uh seem to be afflicted with that at all um, they've worked really hard. We've tested several times, and and don't get me wrong, we've had a couple couple situations where it's uh you know gotten the best of us. Um, but like I said, Tim Freeman, Mark Ingersoll, Jake, they've all worked really hard on on you know giving me the best race car they can possibly give me. I can't say enough about all those guys working my race car. Um, Big Al, 
um, Casey, Rodney, they, they all do a really great job. And, and it's, it's been a, it's been a blessing getting to race with them. One of the th- things I think has been fun and, and continues to be fun about watching you race and really you and Dallas Glenn share the same type of, I believe you share the same mentality where, um, neither of you necessarily are surprised to be successful this year. Both of you are thankful to be successful, but I feel like it's been a situation where both you and Dallas have kind of wanted this moment for so long. It's not something you're going to screw up or be overwhelmed by. I would definitely say it's probably a mindset. Um, you know, very, I'm very grateful for the opportunities, very grateful for, for the success we've had. But when we're, we're both in some of the best equipment you can have and, and, uh, you know, it's really, it's up to us to do our jobs and, and, I fully expect in myself, and I'm sure Dallas does too, is that we we need to show up and do our job. Um, so that's that would be where I would stand on that. Yeah, and I'm sure he's uh, in the same place. Now I want to talk to you about Indy because this, at least my understanding of this, is it's going to be nuts. My understanding is you're going to run top dragster in the All Stars, you're going to run your factory uh, factory stock showdown car, and you're going to run pro stock in their respective eliminators. Is that accurate? Yes, that's uh that's what we're gonna be that's what we're gonna be doing this coming up weekend in, in Indy. Um it's gonna be it's gonna be hectic but um I feel like I, I can I can uh manage, you know, I've been in been in a couple, you know, later days in both cars and it seems to when I start to kind of get in a groove and get rolling it it seems to work for me. Um, so we're going to just try it with three of them. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. And to me, it's awesome because it really does. We're talking about three completely different skill sets here. Uh, and I want to start, I want to start with top dragster because, um, ironically, that's the fastest thing out of the three of them, right? The sportsman car is the fastest thing out of the three of them. So it, it, it is for people listening that may not be a hundred percent familiar with top dragster. Uh, this is a class where you got to have a, a car that's capable of going in the really bottom half of the sixes and, it, and it's a bracket style race. So, how does one translate to the other, man? Like, how do you, how do you, you got to drive the stripe and this dragster, and then obviously the heads up stuff's a little bit more straightforward, but, but it's wild that you can stay on top of all this stuff. So it's definitely, they're definitely totally different challenges. Um, each, you know, all three of the classes, they're totally different challenges. Um, but really, it all just, it all comes down to focusing, right? You just gotta, you know, you know what you need to do and just being able to slow everything down and focus on, focus on your job has, has been the, been the trick to me for me. Um, so definitely different. I mean, it's the fastest bracket racing you can do. Um, you're going 220 miles an hour looking over your shoulder. That's, <laughs> that's def. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely hard, but I, I enjoy the challenge. I really, you know, my, so, some of my first goals in drag racing was to win a stock, I mean, a super stock championship or a top dragster championship. And, and I'm still, I didn't want to uh, pass up on some good, other good opportunities I've gotten, but I haven't forgot about that goal of mine I want to accomplish. Um, and I'm not saying that it will happen this year, but I, I'd like to accomplish that. Well, I think <clears throat> obviously the, the competition is going to be very intense for the All-Stars because it always is because it's the best of the best. It's one of the most fun races. As a guy who loves sportsman drag racing personally, it's one of the most fun events to watch because, one, I get to root for my own division. Two, I get to see really the best racers in the country kind of hammer on each other. I would have to guess, though, you're, uh, pressure-wise, I think you're in a pretty good spot here, right? Because it's not as if... It's not as if this is the only thing you're going to be doing at Indy, and, and maybe that's a good thing that you get your you're kind of spread out a little bit here that you don't get too hyper focused on one thing. Yep, I got a couple chances. I got a couple chances to have a good day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's definitely 
it's definitely a, I mean, it's a tough race. Like, like you said, it's the best of the best. And, and what I like about it is everybody, you know, everybody's going out swinging, swinging a bat hard. And it's, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's always a recipe for some tight racing and it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good time for sure. And I've, uh, I've raced in a couple of times. It's been, it's been really fun. And the team element of it is so unique too, because obviously, you know, as you compete with every car you do, you race with a team, but when, when the racers themselves are an actual team, it really does change the whole environment. It's just when you see those last couple divisions and, and everybody showing up in the starting line with their particular division shirt on, I feel like it brings a whole different element to the game. Yes, for sure. It, it's definitely, it's definitely different, you know, when you have racers racing as a team, uh, for sure, in different cars and everything. Um, it was pretty cool. I mean, the first, I think my first year I won it, we ended up winning as a, as a team in Division Four. So that was a, that was a really cool experience. When we talk about the factory stock showdown car and the pro stock car, you know, which one of those things is on a more hair trigger? Because I'm interested in this because it does seem to me like a factory stock showdown car is there. It is one or two, you know, clicks of your shocks away from a great run to a tire smoker. And, and I'm guessing a pro stock car is, is, you know, whatever, a couple of grams on the clutch or less from the same thing. For sure. The, the factory stock cars are just the window the window is extremely small on making a good run. I mean, you can you can miss it a little bit and be and be way off. And I mean, the pro stock car is kind of the same way in in a sense. Um, I mean, you've got the the shift points like hitting your shift points is, is can be can be really tough. I mean, the window is the window is very small there. The window is very small in the tuning and and um, I would just say they have the they have the pro stock down down to more of a science. And I would say that's just from many years of racing them if that makes sense but they're both very hard in their respective ways yeah they are and and the you know factory stock showdown cars being on the narrow tire and uh and really making equivalent power being thousand plus pounds heavier but making equivalent power to the pro stock cars is the fascination there and and i'm glad to see at indy we are going to have a mix of ford chevrolets and dodges the fords have been you know kind of come and go and they've been hot and cold on the category but it does appear we're going to have everybody represented i think it's a very very important thing to have all three manufacturers heavily involved um i I think the more the merrier it's 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 important to me just because it's you know they have a they have a good chance of winning and that might hurt our chances a little bit. Doesn't think I don't think they should race. Um, yeah, they definitely they definitely need to be out there. Yeah, it's definitely that's that's the appeal, right? The more the more manufacturers you have, uh, the more fan appeal it has for for very obvious for, reasons. For, for um, sure. Before we got on the phone today, you were on the dyno with an engine, and I'm not sure how many people understand or know what your involvement is with the engine building business. So. Talk to me a little bit about that. It, when you're not at the drag strip, you're obviously got your hands on motors. So, what is your day to day involvement? Uh, my day to day involvement is is we we build racing engines here at Stanfield uh, Enterprises, and and uh, you know I pretty much do all the all the engine assembling, and you know with the help of my dad and, and a couple other guys at the shop, we uh we do a good bit of work, and we're heavily obviously heavily involved in the factory stock program. Uh, so. Definitely from from building engines, from putting cars together, from dynoing, taking them apart, all the above. I'm I'm very heavily involved in just about every aspect of drag racing. It's uh, and 
at the end of the day, when we look back over the the sport, we look back at people that have been very successful. They have been the most well-rounded people, and I think that's an important part of of who you are and and what you do, not just with the work you put into the engine program or the engine shop, but the fact of the matter is you're a sportsman racer that is running at a professional level now and continuing with those sportsman roots. There is no downside to any of this when it comes to your career. Absolutely not. I think it's important to to have multiple tools and um, to be – versatile so um you know i've always always been a you know if you go look like you just said go look at go look back at some of the greats they could do it all they could build it they could tune it they could drive it um so that's kind of something that's important to me is i want to be able to do all those things so when we talk about the u.s nationals i asked blake alexander the same question you know for some people it's it's you know another stop on the tour that uh, they don't feel as though it's all that much different i do not share that opinion i'm wondering you know you're a guy in your 20s obviously i'm sure your dad has told you great stories about uh success and and heartbreak at indianapolis over the years what's your take on the u.s nationals well i can tell you uh you know from an engine building standpoint it's not just another race it's a uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's definitely definitely things get a lot busier this time of the year getting ready for the big go i mean to me it's it's the it's the holy grail of drag race and this is this is the one you got to win you know what i mean um so it's it's something that we always work extremely hard but something we really try to prepare for and and uh we put we put a lot of effort into so um i think it's i think it's not just another race for sure but um we still we still want to win you know we want to win everywhere we oh, go sure. but the big go is the one to win. <laughs> so when we leave, uh, when we leave Indy, we're going to be kicking off the countdown. That first race will be happening in uh, in Maple Grove the, the following weekend, and you're currently second in the points. So obviously, there's a pretty good clump of uh, of cars that are in that kind of general area. How important is it for you to go into the countdown in second? If and it, who knows, mirac- more miraculous things have happened uh, as far as where you land. But how far is how important is it for you to begin the countdown in second spot? Um, it's, I wouldn't say that's going to be the make or break for us, uh, for sure, but it's important. You know, my main, my main concern is, is I just, I really just want to go out and keep winning. Yeah. Um, so obviously the points take care of themselves at that point, but, uh, I would definitely, definitely like to stay in the number two spot and, uh, try to set us up for an opportunity to win a championship. Um, so definitely that we're, that's what we're shooting for. That makes total sense. And, and how much value does winning a championship last year in factory stock showdown how much value does that experience have for you i realize it's a different environment with the countdown and everything else but um having kind of weathered that storm what does that what does that help you with this year um definitely it just it makes me realize how much effort we had to put in to uh to do that and um you know it was just cool to see it pay off but i i wouldn't say uh i wouldn't say the pressures you know pressure is very much different it wasn't like it was down to the wire one round to win it all type type yeah. championship. Um, but I would, I would, I would just say that I, I just really want to win every time I show up. So I kind of put, I put that kind of pressure on myself just about every time I go out and race, um, whether there's a championship on the line or not, if that makes sense. No, it makes total sense because in the event that uh, you reach that point, if, if, if that is the mentality whether it's the first round or the last round in Pomona, then, you know, in theory, you should be as comfortable in one spot than the other, right? Exactly. 
Well, it's great, man. It's great. And um, I guess as we kind of round this conversation up, uh, as you've been, you know, talking to your dad over the course of this year and obviously working with him at the engine shop, what uh, would have been any words of wisdom he's imparted on you as you've begun to rack up some wins? And uh, inarguably at this point, you're the, you're the hottest car in the category. He says this to me a lot. And, uh, you know, he's saying it live and he's saying it, you know, as far as driving the race car, he says, Aaron, you got to slow everything down. And he means slow everything down in the car, make good decisions, and he means slow everything down in life and enjoy these, you know, special moments you get to have. Um, so that's that's probably the most the biggest piece of advice he's given me. <laughs> that's great advice. That's uh, that yeah. is that is fantastic advice. And I guess my last question would be: Does a win, your last win at Pomona, does it feel? Or are you able to apply that? For instance, you win at Epping. That was your first win of the season. You win at Pomona a little bit later down the road. That's your third win. Are you able to maybe appreciate the moment a little bit more in Pomona than you were in Epping or certainly maybe even more than you were in, in Texas last year when, when everything was just kind of a blur? Um, for sure. I, I got to, you know, enjoy some time with the team a little bit more um, at, at those at those couple of races because there wasn't, you know, other a lot of other things going on. So definitely I was able to kind of, appreciate being able to celebrate a little bit with the team so that was a that was a very very cool very special um but definitely i i just i love winning so i i i really enjoy really enjoy those days for sure it well, doesn't matter what what car i just i really enjoy winning <laughs> you know, it's been uh, it's been a whole lot of fun watching you not just this year but of course last year as well and uh your your indie exploits will be well covered i promise you that because it is something that of the 860 entries we have at indy right now uh there's only one guy that is going to be in three different categories competing uh the jegs all-stars as well as factory stock showdown and a pro stock so aaron stanfield man it's been great to chat with you uh, i wish you all the luck and it's going to be a real real throwdown in the countdown i can't wait to see the likes of you and erica greg dallas koretsky kramer i mean the the list goes on and on it is it is going to be it's going to be it's going to be some very good racing <laughs> aaron sanfield go back to the engine shop man you get a dyno call on your name i will see you in india there we go i appreciate it thank you brian Gotta love that young guy. He is calm, he is cool, he is collected, and he is in championship form already. We talk about making sure you peak at the right time in this sport, and he appears to have done just that. Those back-to-back wins, Sonoma and Pomona, were impressive. We'll find out what he can do at the U.S. Nationals. You heard what he kind of feels this race uh, belongs or where it belongs in the list in drag racing. Certainly he and I share that opinion. Blake Alexander mentioned the same thing about the scope and size of the event and the feel that comes with the Dodge SRT U.S. Nationals. We are just a few days away, really about a week away from starting the U.S. Nationals. Wednesday will be time runs for our sportsman categories. I'm sure you'll be able to watch that on NHR8.tv. Our television coverage begins on Friday where we will have uh, a live qualifying show on Friday evening, which will be spectacular. Then we'll go on Sunday morning. We'll have a qualifying show, which will take you through the rest of qualifying of the Saturday qualifying runs. Sunday morning, our coverage will begin at 11 a.m., on FS1 and the very the first round of eliminations will be shown on FS1 and then we will transition as we do every year over to the Fox Broadcast Network your local Fox affiliate so you'll watch from 11 to 1 
on your local Fox, rather on FS1, and then you'll switch over for final round eliminations action, picking it up with rounds two, three, and four. We're going to have, again, Ron Tolver as part of our broadcast team. Some other names and uh, faces popping up in there. It is going to be a spectacular week at the U.S. Nationals. Will there be a podcast next week? Well, maybe. I'll be going out to Indianapolis uh, early next week, but if I can get something kind of slammed together for you by the end of the weekend, maybe we'll do a double up and get you all the inside action we can for this upcoming U.S. Nationals. Going to be a week of huge news, a week of huge racing, and a week of huge fun at the Dodge SRT U.S. Nationals. I will see you at Indy. If I don't see you there, I hope to see you on NHRA.TV or, of course, on FS1 and the Fox Broadcast Network over the course of next weekend. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Loans, and as always, I appreciate your time and your fandom of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing. 